Um, if you would please bow your heads with me. Opportunity to be able to share uh, the message that you have laid upon my heart. God, I pray that you may prepare our hearts to receive by the Holy Spirit the word that you have given to us, that you have for us today. God, I pray that you may protect me from error, God, in your word. God, that you may uh, speak more powerfully than my words today. And I pray that through this, that we may come to know you even more, Lord, to rely upon you and to rely upon your spirit. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. So for the past several weeks, we've been in a series on the book of Acts. And as, as a leadership, we really hope that for the series, that as a church, we would catch the vision that God has for his people to participate together in the mission to reach our city and our world. Today I'll be in chapter 2 of Acts. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand up real high. One of our lovely servants would love to get you one. You can also access the Bible on our app, and also there'll be words upon the screen. Verse 37 starts, And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone, whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and were added that day about 3,000 souls. So it says that they were cut to the heart. They were cut to heart by the gospel of Jesus Christ that God the Father sent his one and only Son to earth to take on flesh and bone, to live amongst us with a perfect, sinless life, to die on the cross being crucified, that we might be saved from the eternal punishment that we deserve, since from, from birth we have been separated from God, who is perfect and holy, and sin deserves eternal death and punishment. But Jesus died upon the cross that we may be saved, and not only died, but he was resurrected, beating death forever. Seated at the right hand of our Lord. Last week, Paul led us through these verses through the perspective of us leading someone else to Christ. But I think that these verses hold a lot more than that, even. That they act not only as a reminder of how to lead someone to Christ, but also for us to remember what it was like when we ourselves received the gospel. I encourage you to listen to Paul's sermon because he talks about not only telling the gospel of, of Christ, but also to tell of how the gospel has transformed our own lives. Of how the testimony of the way that the gospel has gripped our hearts, what we were like before we met the gospel, and what we're like now. And just like those in this passage, we heard the gospel, we responded by repenting. Repenting means to recognize that the way that we are living, the way that we're born, that our natural born tendencies lead us to death. 
And we recognize that we are separated from God, and we need Christ, and we need to obey his way. So repenting means to stop following our own way and follow the way of the Lord. And as we repent, we are baptized into new life. Jesus gave 3,000 people new life that day, baptism as a symbol of us being laying our old lives down, being born again into new life with Christ. And as we are baptized, we then receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who empowers us, who purifies us, who unifies us, and reveals God's will to us. He empowers us. I was thinking last week how I was praying to the Lord, asking him to give me the strength to outlast temptation. There's a sin that I pretty consistently struggle with, and that's gluttony, especially in regards to sweets. I have an insatiable sweet tooth, as my friends and my wife especially can attest to. And I was praying for the Lord to please give me the strength to outlast temptation today. And as I was praying, I felt the Lord really put it on my heart that I have already received everything that I need to outlast that temptation because he has already given me his Holy Spirit. He has already given me the power that raised Christ from the dead. That same power lives in me right now. If I would only believe in that power, if I would only believe and have faith that that same power that the Holy Spirit has is able to deliver me from the temptations that I have. I remember several, many years ago, I was, uh, I was addicted to nicotine. Cigarettes, cigars, I also chewed for quite a while. And as I became a believer and God convicted me of that, I remember relying upon the Holy Spirit to, to quit that. And with his help, I was able to quit cold turkey. And I remember, surprisingly, I had always heard that it was so hard to do it. But I remember just how easy it really was if I allowed the Holy Spirit to help me. But we must believe, we must have faith that God is able to deliver us. When we put our faith in Christ, we are unified by the blood of Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit into the family of God. And I love God's timing is so perfect having the family announcement this morning of being able to talk about how we are all a part of that family. The family of God does not exist in little tiny groups, but the whole of the church. Every single person who is a member, who is a believer of Jesus Christ, is a family. We are a family of God. And as we come into this family, we start to reflect certain family traits, certain family cultures. Each of our families are very unique. My family is incredibly unique. Most of us are just like me. They don't talk a whole lot, except if they're made to. Most of them are pretty tall. I am, of course, the tallest. So there's different things that make us who we are. So as we walk through these verses today, there's going to be a list of, of things that we're devoted to, different certain family traits. And the last thing that I want us to do is to look upon this list of traits and think, 
That's a really good list. I, I really want to try hard to be that. If only our church would exhibit those traits, then we would be taken to the next level. Because the truth is, church, that these verses describe not who we could be, but who we are. These verses describe the truth of who God's people are. And I pray that this morning that we would allow the Holy Spirit to saturate our hearts with these truths. I would pray that the Holy Spirit would remind you who you are in the family of God. The most important family trait is that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. The cornerstone upon which the whole church is built. There is no church without the death and resurrection of Christ. A popular Christian song states, I have been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. It is the blood of Christ running through our blame, through our veins, and it's through his death and resurrection that we are unified in one body through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Church, we are not unified by the fact that we gather for service in Davis. We are not unified by our education. We are not unified by our stage of life. We are not unified by our nationality. We are only unified through the death and resurrection of Christ. Continuing in verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. As members of the church, we are devoted. To be devoted means that we are to continue with intense effort through difficulty. To continue with intense effort through difficulty. And I think difficulty can look a lot of different ways. Difficulty can mean persecution. Difficulty can mean illness. But I think in our culture, difficulty can even mean busyness. It can even mean idleness. It could even mean a lack of desire to continue with intense effort through difficulty. But to what are we devoted? We are devoted to God's word. At Discovery, this looks like the teaching of God's word on Sundays, but it also means that the God, God's word is the direction of our life. It is the guide through which we live. It is the lens through which we live. We are devoted to the Word of God being the final authority in our Christian faith and our life. If it doesn't match up with Scripture, it's out. And church, it's so important for you to be in the Word. It is so important to know what the Word actually says. There are so many false teachers who appear to be true out there. You can't read everything you read on the Internet. You must check it with the Word of God. The second thing that we're devoted to is fellowship. 
We are relational beings. God created us to be in relationship. God created us to be in relationship with him. He wants us to be in relationship with him. We can have an intimacy with our heavenly father that is unmatched. He also created us to be in relationship with one another. We are not created to be isolated. This is one of the biggest things that I remember that I take away from me being saved is that before I was saved, I wanted to live alone. Growing up, I lived on a couple of very large ranches in Wyoming and North Dakota, and, and I remember, and in, actually in high school, no, uh, middle school, I was picked on pretty extensively, and I dreaded going to school every single day. And I remember just wanting so much to get just like 40 acres, that's all I wanted, <laughs> and to have my nearest neighbor like five or 10 miles away, which is most of North Dakota. <laughs> and I just wanted to be alone. But I remember as I learned the gospel, as I learned how important the family of God is, how important relationships are, I knew that that would never work. I knew that I would be utterly miserable if I had to be alone. And I actually grew such a great heart for God's people that I didn't think was really possible. And you all are a part of that family. In Discovery, this looks like us fellowshipping on Sunday mornings as we come together, praising and worshiping our Heavenly Father together. It looks like discovery groups where you come together and you study God's word together. You make deep friendships, not just surface level friendships, people. This is not what we want. We do not want you to come on Sundays and, and ask each other, how's your week? Good. That is not an answer. <laughs> Even though I've done it a lot. That is not an answer. I want us to really think about how are we doing? How are we doing to go beyond? In the summertime, discovery groups also transition over to communities, which are basically just groups that we gather at the farmer's market, other places in Davis, where we're able to invite our friends who don't, net, who don't yet know Jesus, not to do any like real Christian things, but just to gather to enjoy one another's friendships, relationships, and to just have fun. That is fellowship. We're also devoted to breaking of bread, which, yes, does refer to communion on Sundays, where we take the, the bread that represents the body of Christ that was broken for us on a cross, and we dip it into the grape juice, which represents the blood of Christ. But it also means as we share meals together, Farmers markets, discovery groups, or even if you just invite someone over, this is the breaking of bread. It is enjoying the presence of our family members as we eat. We're also devoted to prayer. Church, we are prayers. Despite what you may feel sometimes, you are prayers. You were created 
to pray. Our Heavenly Father so much desires us to be in that intimate relationship with Him and cry out our needs to Him, to celebrate what He has provided to us. He wants us to, to mourn with those who are mourned, to celebrate with those who are celebrating. On Sunday mornings, we have a prayer corner. After, this, after the sermon, you can go down and get prayer. Don't think it's only for people who need help, but also if you have something to celebrate. We want to celebrate with you. There's also semi-monthly prayer meetings downtown. One is actually tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Second and fourth Sundays, or uh, Mondays. Also in discovery groups, we love to pray for one another. But also... I really encourage you, as you come together on Sundays, as you talk to one another throughout the week, as you really find out how you are doing, if something comes up, I really encourage you to stop everything that you're doing and pray for that person. Don't say, I'll pray for you, because most of the time we don't end up praying for one another. So let's just stop and pray in the moment. Verse 44 continues, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all and as, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. As members of the church, we are also generous. It says that they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. I think it's important to note that they still had homes, they still had possessions, but... They voluntarily gave of what they had to meet the needs of others. They recognized that the Lord is their true provider, that everything that they had is God's, to be used for his glory and for his purposes. God has given everything that we have that we may be stewards of it. The last thing I want us to church is to get into the habit of thinking that everything that we have is ours because we have earned it. We have earned nothing. At Discovery, we collect a benevolence offering once a month, where we ask you to give just a little bit of whatever you have that we may be able to meet those practical needs within the church. If someone needs groceries and can't afford it or needs a bus ticket and can't afford it, we're able to meet those needs. Church, this morning, I don't, I don't only want you to hear from me. I want to bring up Cindy Marsh. She's a uh, lovely, lovely servant of the Lord. And uh, I want to have a little Q&A. Do you want a short one or a large one? Okay.
Thank you, Cindy. First off, uh, see, now where is it? Oh. Eye to eye? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, this is great. Yeah. First off, uh, can I ask how long you've been a believer? 35 years. That's older than I am. Um, in times of difficulty, uh, what are some scriptures that have really sustained you throughout your believer life? I, um, can you hear me? I wrote some down because I didn't want to forget them. But uh, uh, The first one that I, I wrote down was Romans 5, the whole book of Romans, just the gospel, the reminder, the putting everything in place again. But the, what I wanted to um, share is... Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And um, that's always important for me because when I'm having difficulty, it usually gets revealed that I'm rejoicing in the hope of the glory itself. And when I can get that on straight, it helps me get a different perspective, get God's perspective. So Romans 5 is really important to me. And, and 2 Corinthians 5, um, which, which teaches us that for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. And that's so important for me also to keep remembering that I'm not here to live for myself. That God wasn't created to make me comfortable and happy, but that I was created to bring him glory. Um, the next one is hope deferred hearts makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. You know, I've loved this scripture. I, I really like it a lot. And, and yet sometimes it's, I'm thinking, now wait a minute, what is that saying? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there are times in my life when I just feel, have felt absolutely heart sick. Just heart sick. And um, it's because things didn't go the way I thought. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe that um, it may help all of us when those, those points in time we're just so deeply disappointed that, it's, that, that what we thought was going to happen just didn't happen. And then the other piece of the scripture says, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I'm thinking, Lord, what I need to get out of the heart sick place and into the joy of the Lord and the longing fulfilled place. The word usually counsels my heart based on what my hope is really based on. My hope is based on maybe a, a job I wanted or it's based on perfect health or it's based on my children doing well, or it's based on some other things, and, and when I'm able to see, usually when I'm, I work through this confrontation of where I'm disappointed, it always leads me back to the cross. It always leads me back to where true, be, true hope is really found. Ron keeps telling me, keep it up there, keep it up there. <laughs> so when reality meets my expectations... Um, I really need to press God for the tree of life, uh, to go back to the cross. 
Um, and at this place, he usually reminds me that something greater is going on. Something greater is going on. And then he, he tells me whatever the struggle is, I think he's going to ask me in a minute to share an example of that. That just always remember whatever I'm going through, this is for me. As though God is saying, this is for me. And then the last scripture is um, Habakkuk 3. Um, the scripture that, that says, you know that uh, the book of Habak Habakkuk? Habakkuk? How do you say that? Habakkuk? Habakkuk? Uh, I don't know. Habakkuk? Okay, we're not sure <laughs> that book. But there's this really, really special place. where uh, Habakkuk is just really wrestling with God. You know, it's about the time when uh, the Babylonian captivity is going to come, and he's just struggling with all the wickedness and what's falling, what's going wrong, and what's not right. And he complains, and he laments, and so forth to God, and he says, and yet, after his encounter with God, he comes back to the place. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, and though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, and though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the high. He rejoices in who God is and what he's going to do. And he's able to get to that place. That's so good. I actually was reading that verse this morning. Yeah, I was. I yeah. Praising, praising the Lord. And even when it seems like all things are going wrong. Yeah. What are some habits that you've cultivated through the years that have promoted faithfulness? Well, I really liked what you, you said about how, how we need to be in the Word. Hmm. And um, I know for me, there's, I have found over time, because I've been in the Word cursorily, I've been in the Word doing topical studies, I've been in the Word to convict other people, I've been in the Word to say I've been in the Word. And then God has worked in my life to show me there is no way I can steward the ideas of this age and the challenges in front of me with a weak quiet time or a legalistic quiet time. And then at the same time, I just really beg God, would you give me an appetite for your word? Would you, would you give me a desire to really be in your word? And would you make it plain and give it meaning? And one of the things that's really helped me is to is to sweep through the whole Bible. I had spent many, many years not reading the Bible in its entirety, not capturing the story, that passionate love story of God's relentless pursuit of me and mine and us. And I missed that really, really important piece. And so, so being in the Word, um, the fellowship, I, you know, um, Hebrews 10, 23, I have to deal with the scripture. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Because he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I have to deal with that, because I realize so often in my own life it's a push-through point. I mean, it's a good idea that we come together. Um, life is busy and the bandwidth thing, we've only got so much time and so on and so forth. And so, you know, uh, even with our community groups and the switch, you know, it's summer and on a Wednesday night, Ron, Ron and I will be, might be coming off the road 
And I'm thinking, do I really want to get swerve off the highway and drive up to the farmer's market and be together instead of going home and putting my feet up? And then I have to deal with the scripture. I have to deal with the fact that God calls me to do this because I know, he knows I need it and because others need me to be there. And you know, it's interesting with the fellowship thing. Um, again, the scriptures as I've been going through it, Titus 2, because I care so much about our family. I really want to be a part of us. I'm an older woman. You know, I, I'm not really sure where I fit in. My life hasn't been perfect. I've got some heartbreaks and some disappointments and I'm limping in many ways, and yet the word calls me as an older woman to participate with younger women uh, and, and to teach what is good and true and sound doctrine and so on and so forth. And, and um, you know, I thought, you know, I, I can't do this by myself. I need a cohort of older women to sit with, and we can sit with the needs and the issues that we may have and go to the word and go to God and go to these scriptures and rise up to a role that he's given us that's going to make a big difference and that we can share around the table and we can say, you know, I feel that same need. I feel that same desire. I still feel that same pull to leave a legacy. And so actually, uh, recently I talked with Katie and uh, there's this opening in the summer to invite 15 women that I could think of that were older, or maybe not quite so older, but who had an interest in mentoring women. And, and I just put it out there. I said, I, I'd, like, I'd like to do a book study. I love to read. And there's this great book called Adorn, um, <clears throat> Living Out the Beauty of the Gospel Together. And it talks about older women and younger women and, and doing life on life and doing all these other things. And I thought, you know, I got some advice, and uh, and then I, I felt like I need to do this. Now, this isn't me because I'm a loner. I feel you on that. I'm just a loner. I, 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 I don't love groups necessarily and so forth, and yet there's just this call from the scripture, this older women. And uh, so anyway, I emailed 15 women, and uh, one woman's out of the country, and she wants to walk. I want to do this uh, on the Internet, and 12 of the 15 women said, I want to be there with you. And, uh, and we've been meeting since two, three, it'll be our fourth time. I see some of you out there. I can't tell you how much this means to me that we're doing this together. And, and so um, I think it's an example of uh, what maybe can happen. You never know what's on the other side of the door of obedience. You walk through, and some great blessings can, can happen there. So with the fellowship, you know, not giving up meeting together, breaking the bread, and I love having people into our homes, you know, for meals, and uh, also, um, I really appreciate in our service, I really appreciate the way there's this time built in, where we hear this teaching, and then we have time, with our thoughts kind of guided, to sit with what's been taught in the Word, and to think about where we want to go, and then in light of what all Christ has done for us, then we can take that into I got one more. Can you share an example of long-term faithfulness in your life where you did not immediately experience the fruit of your devotion to what God has been calling you to? 
Yeah, and I think that what's uppermost in my heart really is my, my children. Um, we've been disciples, we've been Christians for 35 of the 37 years of our married life. Before becoming a Christian, I never wanted children. I wanted to be a professional woman. I wanted to have a glamorous career. I had a failed marriage of 10 years and really thought that that wasn't really my calling. So I didn't even know if I wanted to be married, really, until God worked in our lives and, and I just became, I had an encounter with God, I had an encounter with the Lord. And we decided to live committed lives as disciples. And so for 18 years of the 35 years, Ron and I were a part of a, um, a very committed uh, faith group and raised our children saturated in that. And, um, and then some things happened along the way. The faith group faltered as God was pruning it and changing it. And in that opening, our children breached the walls. And it was a tremendous difficult thing in our lives. We were heart sick. It, 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 it crushed us. It, it burst our bubble. And um, it really confronted us. Uh, because one of the things that the Lord had put on my heart was that we would raise a family that knew God, that served God, and would glorify God. And when this happened, I felt so disappointed and like such a failure. And um, so basically there was this process of, uh, of going back. It was a process of drifting. And then there was a process of really going back to the scriptures. And with the help of other people, because it, at times it's so intense, we can't really sort it out by ourselves. But other people helped us call us back to who God is, what his plan is. And, uh, and helped us put things in, per in perspective. And, and honestly, what is happening over time, that, that whatever God puts us through, and I love John 15 because it teaches us that. He chooses us to bear fruit and he prunes us so that we'll be more fruitful. And over time with our children, they're, um, they're out there on their own path. Honestly, they both desire, they, don't, they long for authenticity in their connection with God. Not through us, but because they have their own encounter with God. And uh, so we have had to learn to trust God with this outcome. And along the way, God actually exposed us to that our hope was based on things other than bringing him great glory. Because when this happened to our family, it was devastating. And if God's glory was really uppermost in our life, then I think it wouldn't have devastated us as much as it did. But God worked through all of that to help expose that idolatry, that something greater is going on, and there were more powerful and more beautiful ways to glorify him in our family life than being shining examples the way I hoped we would be. And it convicted me of my pride of holiness, wanting to have a good reputation, wanting to look a certain way. And, uh, and God has done a beautiful thing through this point in time. I guess that would be the most important thing for me to be able to share, or even as an older woman in our family, 
and encouraging younger women to not be afraid when God, when your dreams meet reality in your own life, whatever that looks like. If the relationship doesn't come, if the marriage fails, the baby doesn't come, if the baby comes and doesn't live, um, if your children aren't perfect, it's just harder than we think. But it's also more powerful and more beautiful in terms of what God wants to do for life. I have to tell you this with uh, our son, who's 34. His lifestyle is not one that's glorifying to God at this point in time, but, you know, I feel like when it says the fig tree doesn't bud, I feel like I'm seeing some buds. And honestly, I have to go back to the, the prayer and being devoted to prayer in our Monday night prayer, prayer times. You know, we were sharing as a prayer request um, our children and, and our concern for them and our love for them and so forth. And another brother, Scott Palmer, thank you so much, prayed uh, for us. And he prayed the prayer, Lord, do whatever it takes. Now, I'm aware, I'm familiar, but I can't always say that. But this brother said this for us. He spoke this for us. And afterwards, he lingered with us. And he he entered into what it must feel like for us. And honestly, since that time, we've seen openings and we've seen ways God's shown us how he's really working through this painful place and this heartbreak to do something really beautiful and really powerful. And uh, even um, a couple of days ago, or really yesterday, we were spending time with our son on his birthday. And he said, um, you know, Mom and Dad, I, I really need you to know how grateful I am. He said, I, I don't always, when I call out to God, I don't always hear him answer. I don't always feel his presence. But when I'm close to you, I feel it. And I want you to know how grateful I am to you. And then, then we had this conversation, and uh, he was leading a meeting, and he put the question out to the group he was leading. What does surrender mean to you? You know, he was sharing this with me. And he said, Mom, what does surrender mean to you? I thought, good question. It means brokenness. You know, it means God working in my life to prune me and shape me and refine me so that my will is broken. Not like I'm a mess, which I can be, but like a horse that's been broken so that it becomes useful and helpful. I think that's what it means to me. And I and he says, you know what surrender means to me? And so I, I think, Taylor, what it means to me is that um, I don't get what I want because there's something better than what I want that God wants to give me. What does it mean to you? And he said, for me, it means getting what I want and then realizing it doesn't satisfy. So I see God working all around us and uh, what God had done with heartbreaking situation there has really shown us that, you know, he's exposed idols and so on and so forth and helped us really see, you have to wait for me. You have to wait for me. Something great is going on. Something greater is going on beyond what you could ask or imagine. And trust me to do what I can do best. And, and so I would share that with you that um, I'm grateful for our family here. I'm grateful to get to be here you help me hold unswervingly to the hope that I profess when it gets hard. And I really want to be a part of what God is doing in my life. I really want to be a part of our family. 
I want to do I want to do what I can and share his faithfulness. And thank you for letting me share the end of your message today. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing. It's so important for us to share our testimonies, not only with those who don't yet know Jesus, but also with one another. Cindy was talking about how, um, you know, sometimes she wonders her part, you know, as, as a older believer. And uh, I mean, I think, I think that is just uh, an example of, of what all of our parts are. I mean, even, even those of us who are still young in our, in our faith, we often think that we don't have anything to offer. We don't have anything to share because we don't yet know enough or we don't, haven't yet experienced enough. But yet each of us have something for someone. And uh, even, even a new believer, a brand new believer, often has some of the most intense passion for the Lord. Uh, and uh, it is so important for us to remember the, the passion that the Lord can give us, if only we will put forth the effort. So I thank you for Cindy. Uh, thank you, Cindy, for sharing. As we close, I, I really want us to, to remember uh, that, that the devotion list that we have is, is who you are. That is who you are. You are a devoted people. You are devoted to God's word. You are devoted to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. You are generous. And I have to say that uh, uh, Tuesday, July 4th, was God's timing is so perfect uh, to have me preach uh, after that. Um, that was such, the, such a perfect example of us corporately catching the vision that God has for his people to serve the city that we have in the world. Uh, that is, that is, it was such a beautiful thing for me to see uh, more than 100 of you, both, both adults and kids, serving alongside one another to reach the city. To actually take time out of your day, take time away from the barbecues, Take time away from family and serve your city. That was easily, uh, I've been serving here as an elder for five years, and that was easily the highlight of my time. And so I just want to say thank you for giving me that. Thank you for giving me that encouragement. Thank you for being faithful to what the Lord is calling you to. Faithfulness, devotion. Let me pray. Father, I uh, am just humbled by you. God, I thank you for, um, I thank you for the family that you have brought together here. God, I thank you for every single person sitting in this church right now, God, that you have placed them here at this time. God, that you have enabled them and equipped them in such a way that uh, they are so 
important to the health of this church, God, so important to the health of one another. God, and I really pray that you may allow us to, not allow, but that we would allow you, God, to to saturate our hearts, God, with your truth and your word. God, I pray that above all that we um, may pour out our praise to you, God. That when life seems challenging or difficult, God, I pray that we would take time to praise you for what is happening. God, I pray that you may guide us as we go forth from here. guide us further and deeper into your presence, Lord, that our roots may go both deep and wide into the presence of God. Lord, help us to be steadfast in our devotion to you. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. We're going to enter into our time of response, and this is something that we do every week, and it's an opportunity for us just to sit and respond to what we heard this morning. We are often so busy that we just move from one thing to the next without really ever taking